emotions are impulsive. They are a natural reaction to our environment. In stressful times, it's easy to lose your cool. Empathy and reason become hard to come by, and we can react to others, as well as ourselves, in a less than positive manner. So what can we do about how we feel and how we manage relationships with others? Let's talk about emotional intelligence. This is Campus on the Common, the podcast of bright ideas from Emerson College's School of Communication. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, I'm your host, Emerson College alumnus and professor of communication studies, Mark Brody. In this episode, we'll talk with Sarah Assam, an Emerson College graduate and professional emotional intelligence coach. Sarah Assam, welcome to Campus on the Common. Now, you're an expert in emotional intelligence. What exactly is emotional intelligence? Well, Mark, emotional intelligence is the ability to be able to manage your feelings. So it's to be able to notice them, name them, and appropriately express them. That's what emotional intelligence really is. It's being self-aware of how you're feeling in the moment and knowing how to express them in the right way. So instead of just flying off the handle when you're really upset, it's taking a step back and thinking about what you're going to say next? Is it that type of thing? It is that kind of thing. It's easier said than done because our emotions are impulsive and they are a natural reaction to our environment when we feel threatened or we feel something is unjust or uncomfortable. And so they're not something that we can control, but they are adaptative and they're made for our evolution. So what they do is that they move us out of our current state of mind into another direction for the best. Now, sometimes we don't feel that that's the best because we're getting really angry and we want to express ourselves in different ways that might not be appropriate, but that's the real reason why we have emotions. What I think I heard you say was something about a threat and how emotional intelligence is kicked into high gear in that situation. Mm-hmm. So is this something that is triggered by a fight or flight mechanism? Yes, it is. Our amygdala, which is part of the limbic system, is what really triggers fight, flight, or freeze. And so what happens is that it is a very, very kind of old circuit in our brain in terms of those used to be, that's the mechanism we used to have when we were hunters and gatherers. And so it really made sense for us to have an active amygdala because we had a lot of life, real life threatening uh, events happening around us. But the lives that we live today are not life threatening, but our amygdala acts as if they are. So if we're gonna arrive late to a meeting and we're stuck in traffic, that will trigger an alarm in our amygdala. And it's like, oh my God, I'm in danger because you know I'm arriving late to my meeting, so I might be scolded by my boss. And that's already triggering the fight, flight, or freeze response in us. So if you can imagine how many times you feel that kind of feeling every day, you know, at work, with your kids, with yourself sometimes, you see that you go through a lot of moments where you feel threatened. And that's really the first step for stress and burnout. I love that example about traffic because I'm one of those people that I hate to be late, 
but I live outside Boston, Massachusetts, which has horrible traffic, generally speaking. And you'll plan to be somewhere an hour. Next thing you know, there's construction, you're a half hour late. And I'm one of these guys who's white knuckling the, the steering wheel. I'm cursing up a storm and I'm about to be apoplectic because I'm, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. Stress levels are soaring through the roof. I probably turn into a maniac on the highway because I'm late. I'm upset. And I'm all, all I'm thinking about is I got to get there on time. I got to get there on time. You know, I'm, I'm I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. I'm late for an important date. So instead of freaking out, raising my blood pressure, really feeling horribly anxious about all this, what should I do? If, if I'm cognizant of emotional intelligence, how would I approach the situation like being stuck in traffic and late for an appointment? Well, first thing, what you'll do is that you will notice. You'll notice your heart is beating fast. You might even start, you know, sweating. You start, you know, looking around to see how you can cut off and try to find a shortcut. You might get into that kind of, you know, energetic move to solve the problem. But if you can't move any faster because you're just stuck there, well, you just have to try to calm yourself down. You should take a pause between action and reaction, right? You see that you're gonna be late, you see you're in the midst of traffic. Take a pause, take a couple of breaths. Breathing calms the amygdala down. And that will kick in your thinking brain, your prefrontal cortex, which is, well, you'll, you'll kind of rationalize the situation. All right, I'm stuck in traffic, this is unexpected. I'm going to be 15 minutes late. What's the worst thing that can happen? I love that description, and I appreciate the three different brains. We've got the neocortex, which is where communication and rational thought and mathematics and communication exist. We've got the limbic brain, where emotion resides, and I've been told all decision resides in the emotional part. And then we've got the reptilian brain, where fight or flight originates. So it would seem like that the reptilian brain and the limbic brain seem to have a really intense relationship, especially if something upsets us, in my case, traffic. So in order to get around becoming that maniac on the highway, I have to hope that my prefrontal cortex, which is just near my forehead, kicks into gear and tells the rest of me, chill out for a while. Mm -hmm. Does that sort of sum it up? Yeah, it does. You have to make that effort of, of realizing, because once your body starts giving you those triggers, you will slowly realize what you have to do is calm down. Because what happens is that your prefrontal cortex is hijacked by their emotion. Like there's no connection. There is no way you can be rational in that surge of emotion. The good thing is that emotion doesn't really last very long. It's, I don't know, about 90 seconds max that you can have that high spurt of emotion, whichever one it is. And so there is going to come a time where, you know, it'll start losing its intensity and you can start, you know, slowly, slowly rationalizing next steps to do. So the point of trying to be emotional intelligent and self-aware is that maybe you can skip that part. Instead of going through the calming phase and being aware, oh, I need to calm myself down, you can go directly to the rational the moment you see you're heading towards traffic, you calm yourself down. Instead of being in the jam, getting upset you're going to be late, and going through that stressful cycle, which only creates stress and you know all the, all the toxic hormones in your body. 
So there will come a time with practice because, you know, the brain is like a muscle that can be trained that the moment you see it coming, you know, you just decide what song, you know, what playlist should I play to keep myself entertained while I have to, you know, sit it through. So that's slowly, slowly what happens with a lot of practice. When we look at emotional intelligence, are there various elements of emotional intelligence or is it just this one big blob of, okay, we sometimes lose our temper, we should be aware of that and maybe our amygdala will chill out? I mean, tell me more about the science of emotional intelligence and the various elements that make up the study of emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, you know, it's got like five parts to it, if you want to say. You have being aware of your emotions, being self-aware, which is the first step and it's also perhaps the hardest step because we are very automized. You know, we have this routine that we get into really fast every day. We don't really think our steps through. We don't really think how we're feeling when we are in our daily routines. So the first step of being self-aware will take time because you have to start feeling because you will feel the emotion in your body first before it hits your brain and you'll actually want to react. So what will happen is that you will start sensing those feelings of being uncomfortable before you can actually feel that emotional burst. So you have time to be able to regulate. So that's a kind of second step uh, of emotional intelligence, self-regulation, saying, okay, I'm in this situation again, or I'm in the situation for the first time and I'm not feeling comfortable. It might be nervousness, anxiety. It can be even, even euphoria. You know, even when we're extremely happy or excited, we can make really bad decisions. And so how do I auto-regulate? Again, it comes down to self-awareness. It's what am I feeling and what is my objective? What do I want to gain from this experience that I'm living? So that's how you do it. You, you sell, you're self-aware of how you're feeling. You regulate, you kind of balance the emotions so that it's not over the top and you reframe. Now, when we talk about reframe, it's kind of your motivation. You kind of feel into the motivation of what you are living and what you want to achieve. So we decide, all right, I felt nervous. I've calmed myself down and you, you go for it. You use that emotion, that calmness that you've actually achieved to be able to motivate yourself into the direction you choose. And you find like the best next step to take. This is really interesting stuff. Could you give an example of how we might apply this in a work situation? Okay, in a work situation, you might find yourself that your boss is telling you off about you know a project which he's not really happy about he is being very vocal he's putting you on the spot i mean there you can have lots of different feelings right you can feel nervous ashamed angry because you might feel that your work is really well done and so after you go through the self-regulation so you feel all those emotions you allow them you allow yourself to feel it right? You feel, oh my God, I'm feeling scared. I might lose my job. I'm embarrassed. I thought I did a good job with this paper or this work. And so you calm yourself down, you get to the auto-regulation point. And then after that, you say, okay, 
what do I want to do? I thought I did a good job, but it's not up to the standards, for example, of my boss. Or I don't think it's fair that, you know, he's blaming me for all that's wrong with this work when it was a team project. And so you, and at that moment, you decide, how do I want to approach this so that I can kind of redeem what I've done? Or I can still have a good relationship with my boss. How can I, how can I turn this experience into a learning experience? And so that's when you reframe and you decide. Or you want to say, listen, this is unfair and I'm just going to like yell at my boss, create tension. Or I can switch around and turn it into a learning experience where something better will come out of it. I'm wondering if we can apply this to sort of a conflict environment. Imagine a work situation where there's a number of employees, male, female, working together, and one of the males is consistently dropping sexist comments. So from the female employee perspective, if she were to apply emotional intelligence, what could she do in, in a situation like this? First of all, I mean, she could, she could just try to respond in, in a way where she knows she's going to benefit from it. If, if he's being sexist, she can just calmly say that, you know, she doesn't appreciate that kind of talk. You know, just be honest, find out the needs, the needs of respect or the needs of uh, teamwork, you know, kind of set limits or rules and, and see how he responds. I mean, there's, no, there's really no point of getting two emotionally evolved people to start talking from the amygdala, so to speak. If we start talking from our emotions, what we do is that we really get personal and we're just really talking about ourselves and how we're feeling back and forth. There's no real way we can solve an issue being in that mindset. So there has to be a detachment and the detachment can only occur if someone has taken that moment of pause, self-awareness and reframing. This is interesting. I have a, a very good friend of mine who told me a story recently about being in a work, work situation where she went in, there was a male counterpart that's just been the bane of her existence. And she had this feeling that he was constantly dropping these microaggressions as a way to screw her up, to get her off topic. So she's in this environment. The guy says something stupid, looking for a reaction. And she, she applies emotional intelligence and she doesn't play the game. Mm -hmm. As a result, the guy, being a sexist jerk, comes off as even more of a sexist jerk, while she is able to maintain her composure and get her job done. More importantly, or equally important, she doesn't fall into that rabbit hole of being off topic, of having anger influence what she's there to actually accomplish in the meeting. She mm -hmm. stays on course, she wins the day, her colleague looks like a jerk and eventually is let go. So emotional intelligence really can be applied in, in everyday situations. It sounds like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, the trick is being aware that you can actually apply social intelligence. Yes, it's, it's being aware that you can apply it and that it is within you. You know, it is really up to you. You have really all the control. I mean, that's the beauty of emotional intelligence is that I have the control of how I want to react. My behavior is in my hands. So that is extremely empowering because no matter where you are, what you're doing, if you are able 
to have those steps in mind other than being able to be happier. Because when you take the best next step and you see that you've been able to accomplish something that is difficult for you or is challenging for you, well, that gives you a boost, but also knowing that it is in your hands. Your behavior can really switch someone else's. So that also kind of reels us into a little bit more of how, how emotional intelligence can be extended into social skills. Because once you know yourself and you know what makes you trigger, it'll help you learn about other people and what can make them trigger. And so it kind of creates a lot of empathy. You can feel empathetic about other people. When you see them coming, you're like, oh my God, look, he's coming with frustration or anger. Let's see how I can help or let's see how I can neutralize his energy so that you know our meeting or whatever we're here to resolve can work out great. Because at the end of the day, we want win-win situations, right? And sometimes our, our emotions get into the way of what we need because there's always behind every behavior there's also an unmet need so that has an emotional attachment so emotional intelligence also gives you that extra skill of being able to be an empath i appreciate that empathy is a major element within social awareness when we looked at that example of the female employee male employee dynamic where the male employee offers some really sexist comments she doesn't take the bait. She's empathetic. How do you put yourself in the mind frame where you're, you're cognizant of this? How do you stay empathetic when it's so easy to get upset when people say mean, nasty things? Well, I think it takes some, it takes some training <laughs> for sure. But I think empathy is something, is one of those innate skills we have. I think we're born empathetic. And just with, you know, with life and whether we practice it or not, it kind of starts fading away. But if in that uh, situation, it wasn't the first time your, your female friend was being attacked. It's not, you know, she, she kind of sees through him and has been seeing through him every day. Sometimes it comes to the point where, you know, you have enough. You want to say, you know what, I have, I have the strength here. Like here she really showed her power. You know, it maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not even empathy what she really showed, but she just showed her power. Like saying, you know what, what you say does not affect me. I'm on a different level. I'm somewhere else. I'm here to work, not to listen to you. So really she desensitized herself from what he was doing, which is amazing skill amazing skill, which sometimes we reach also when we're reaching a limit. Many times it happens also, also with children, when they hit, when they're really small and they hit someone else, it's not because they want to hurt them many times. It's like they're trying to put a limit. And since they can't vocalize that limit, say, you know, I don't really like what you're doing to me now. I'm putting a limit. They don't have the vocabulary. They will do it with a push or a hit or something. So, you know, it's really, it's really learning how to say, all right, I've had enough of you. Now, how am I going to do it? She could have said, I've had enough of this. She could have stormed out of the meeting. She could have put a complaint. She could have reacted in many different ways, but the way she did react with emotional intelligence, using that space, she really showed power.
this is amazing stuff because what I'm learning here is we can look at the fight, flight, or freeze reaction we have in a reptilian brain. We all have this. Somebody does something, you take offense, you're cut off on the highway, you flip them the bird, whatever it could be. But you know, you you either want to run away, you want to get in a fight, or you're just shocked at what happened. But what I'm learning now is there's a whole other way where we can respond by using emotional intelligence, but not by not falling into that fight, flight, or freeze, we can do a really quick assessment, if you will, and understand what's happening and then apply the most rational approach. Am I representing this fairly? Am I getting this? Yes. Yes, you are getting this. That's exactly what it is. Because it seems that, you know, our brain seems to be a little bit outdated to what our threats are in the day to day. So we shouldn't either get upset and really mad at ourselves when we react to all the stimuli we have around us, because that is kind of showing that you're healthy, right? You're reacting because our emotions really are kind of our guides. They're like our satellites that translate our likes, our dislikes, even our identity. It's telling us information and usually we ignore them. Oh, I can't be sad about that. No, you are sad about that. Why? Figure out what's the loss and what you're sad about. Figure it out because once you figure it out, you know it. And it's, it's, so, it's going to be so much easier for you to face a similar situation again. So emotions are there as our guides. That's how we have to see them. What we shouldn't try to do is allow them to take over us to take over our being. You know, sometimes, you know, even, even sadness, you know, you get so sad that you can't, you can't react, you can't do. We shouldn't allow them just to take over us. Emotional intelligence, what a superpower to have. I wish I had realized that we have this gift from the get-go and I could have worked on it earlier. Now, when we look at emotional intelligence as a concept, are there various competencies within that? You mentioned earlier that there were essentially five different parts of emotional intelligence. I wonder if we could run through those quickly for the audience. Well, it is self-awareness, emotional regulation, motivation, which that's what I kind of use as the reframing part. Because I feel motivation, like how, how is this emotion going to motivate me? What direction is it going to motivate me in? Right? Is it going to make me attack? Is it going to make me sit down and rationalize like where do i want to take this place that i'm living so you have the motivational aspect which i link very much to growth mindset having the ability and also the the power to decide how do i want to live this moment and then you have the empathy which we also talked about that makes you more empathetic when the more you know about yourself the more you can relate to others and, and create win-win situations. And that eventually ends up in a social skill and the social ability that is very much rewarded now, nowadays in work. At the beginning of the year, I think it was LinkedIn who kind of did a list about the soft skills that are looked for in finding jobs, what people are seeking for. And emotional intelligence came one of the top five. Sometimes I get annoyed that they call it a soft skill because I think it's extremely hard to attain, 
but it's definitely something that we can practice and we can learn. And one of my hopes is to see it in schools and school curriculums, primary, elementary levels, even at university, because it's a life skill. It's something you can carry out and you can implement in every aspect of your life. It really does sound like a superpower, and I wish we spent more time in the educational world working on these elements. Just the concept of self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship management. These are core elements in society in general, but if we were to take the time to understand our place within all of these and be mindful of how we react, wow, that's a superpower. Because how often do we all sort of like what I do in traffic? I lose my temper and and you know what i'm stuck in traffic i'm going nowhere for the duration i can have a uh, anxiety attack and skyrocket my blood pressure or i could take a deep breath and relax maybe make a phone call let them know i'll be a few minutes late but instead of absolutely hating that drive i might actually enjoy it definitely and i think we struggle with our emotions because we were never taught as kids that our emotions were okay if we think about how our emotions were treated when we were younger, it's a natural reaction for parents not to see their kids suffer, right? Not want anything to, to go wrong. You know, we always want to protect our children. But what happens is we start helping them to negate emotions and those feelings of emotions. You know, they, they fall down, oh, get up, don't cry. That was nothing. You know, we keep cutting off the feelings of our emotions instead of, yes, you fell down, you got scared, you got a scrape, you're okay. You know, kind of just honoring that moment of, yeah, I just had this emotion and I'm just, I, I understand it. Not cutting it off so that you don't really know what the whole process feels. Because when we feel an emotion, what follows it is learning how to handle it. And the more we practice how to handle that emotion, you know, it's not scary anymore. And we know how to deal with it. And it just evolves as we grow with our experiences, but also how to handle it grows with our experiences. It, all, it also starts from there, owning up to our, to our emotions and, and allowing them to evolve naturally. This also happens a lot when, when you have emotional attachments to parents or sometimes couples have emotional attachments where you know they can't function separately because they depend on each other so much that dependency also is because you have never allowed yourself to just be by yourself and just learn what it's like because you'll find ways to overcome but it, every time you feel lonely you do something about it you get distracted with TV or calling a friend or going out and you just don't live it. You don't, you don't realize, wow, I can actually do this. I can be alone with no distractions with myself and I'm fine. I survived it. Maybe it's not the thing I enjoy most, but I know how to handle it. And so the more we practice our emotions, uh, the more skills we have and the more ability we have to, to, to really navigate anything that can come towards us. Sarah Assam, in our remaining time, might you have three takeaways for the audience? Three takeaways. Okay. One, accept your emotions, no matter what they are. Emotions are antenna. They are satellites. They tell us a lot about ourselves. So feel them freely. Two, be kind to yourself as you learn 
more about yourself. As you get more in touch with yourself and be more self-aware, uh, be kind to what you find. And three, always have time for yourself for self-reflection because that's when emotions that have been ignored during the day will resurface and you can kind of go through that cycle of looking at them, processing them, and feeling comfortable with them, which is really what we all should do. You've been listening to Campus on the Common. We spoke with Sarah Assam, an Emerson College graduate and professional emotional intelligence coach with a practice that spans three continents. Sarah's work manifests core life skills to improve well-being, kindness, resilience, growth mindset, Gratitude and self-awareness are essential takeaways in every session she facilitates. I'm your host, Mark Brody. Our executive producer is the Dean of the School of Communication, Raul Rice. Our production engineer is Lucas Poiser. Campus on the Common provides an expert view into the field of media and communication through the lens of academic experts and industry professionals from Emerson and beyond. Campus on the Common is a production of Emerson College's School of Communication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.